Good morning. Welcome to this edition of the Richard Urban Show. We're very happy to have the special edition for the West Virginia elections 2020. Today, we have Chris Rains coming on. Thank you very much for being on. And she's running for the Supreme Court of Appeals Division Two. So, um, Chris, please um, introduce uh, yourself and we'll take it from there. Thank you so much, Richard. I appreciate all the hard work that you've done to get me on today. Um, my name is Chris Rains. I live in Putnam County, West Virginia, and um, that's where I was born and raised. I went to Marshall University and uh, the University of Akron School of Law. I started my career in Akron, Ohio at the Summit County Prosecutor's Office, where I stayed for six and a half years, gained a ton of experience. Um, I even tried my first death penalty murder trial before I was 30 years old. So that really taught me to put together complex cases in prosecution. In 2006, I moved back to West Virginia and took a position at the United States Attorney's Office in Charleston as a special assistant United States attorney doing high intensity drug trafficking cases. And um, that was a federal grant that was eventually eliminated. So in 2008, I went to Putnam County and that's where I've been for the last 12 years. I try exclusively felonies. I do most of the uh, violent felonies, a lot of the murders, but my main focus is on child predators, uh, child sex abuse okay. and child abuse cases. Um, those, those cases are the most dear to my heart because those victims are the most vulnerable. Uh, they can't always speak out for themselves. And so getting justice for them is the most gratifying for me. Okay, wow, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, so, could you tell us the, the three, three main reasons or the main reasons why you decided to run for the Supreme Court of Appeals? So seeing what happened in 2018 with the court was uh, a very surreal experience. Um, like I told you, I went to law school outside of the state and of course the court scandal went nationwide news. So I would have people calling me or, or texting me from law school saying, what's going on with your court? And I'm like, I don't know that we're trying to eliminate one branch of government, I guess. And so anyway, it was, um, I, I followed that um, because I am a real believer in separation of powers. And, you know, I, I'm a constitutional constructionist, which means I believe that each branch of government should check and balance the other. And uh, so I, I, was, I was seeing constitutional law at work in that, during that era. And um, so when the opportunity came up for um, an empty seat on the court, this was um, Margaret Workman was retiring. I thought, well, that might be a good option for me. I, I've spent 20 years as a career prosecutor. I've always thought that maybe I would move on to the judiciary at some time. And I thought that that right now was my time. And an interesting thing about Margaret Workman is, um, just uh, as an aside, my mother worked for the Supreme Court as an administrative assistant for more than 20 years. And she started in um, 19, right around the time that um, Justice Workman was inaugurated. And I believe that was 1989. I was a freshman in high school and she took me to Charleston. It was a cold January day to see the first woman 
um, inaugurated and put on the Supreme Court. So um, that is whose seat that I'm running for right now. And I just thought, wouldn't that be neat if I filled her shoes since I was there from the beginning? Okay. So, you know, I was um, looking more at the um, information or reading up a little bit about the um, 2018 um, impeachment proceedings. And there were a number of twists and turns with that. What, how do you yeah. view that? Do you think it seemed like the court of the reconstituted court, Supreme Court of Appeals, or the whatever temporary one, put, seemed to put a stop to the uh, impeachment? Do you think there was overreach on the part of the legis, uh, you know, uh, West Virginia legislature, or do you think it was balanced? Or anyway, give us your view on that, if you don't mind. So in my research of that case, I saw that the court was following the law that it had before them. Back in the 70s, um, I believe that the, the, there was an administrative policy that basically gave the court its own oversight over budget matters and things of that nature. And so most of the articles impeachment had to, of impeachment had to do with purchasing and things uh, that dealt with the court's budget. So um, the court, I felt that its hands were tied because it was following the law, but I believe that the law was wrong because the law was putting too much power into the judiciary branch, um, being able to oversee, oversee its own budget and purchasing and things. That is that is something that no other state agency has the um, has the chance to do. So I think that that the court decided correctly as to the law that was. Um, available to them at that time. However, I think that democracy went into action after that, and the voters um, solved that problem by passing the constitutional amendment to have the legislature oversee the budget of the court. So that definitely uh, put the power back into the, you know, the separation of powers, the checks and balances, that definitely reinstituted that. And so I think we have to applaud the, the voters for actually, um, you know, putting that back into um, their hands and the intent of the framers whenever they set up this three branch government. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I remember the, the amendment being on the ballot. Yeah, mm -hmm. so one question, I noticed that one of the, um, a little more technical question, but one of the issues, oh, sorry about that. One of the issues <laughs> was um, that the, um, there was something about split pay, like there was a limit on the uh, justices who were not, uh, the who were brought on, I forget their name, but they were status. Yeah, they were retired, but they brought on in some other status. They weren't supposed to get more than 25% of pay. And apparently right. they went around that by um, giving them a W-2, but also giving them a 1099. It seems like that was a violation of law. Or what do you think? Well, I, I, I didn't um, really look into that part of uh, independently other than just the, the case law at the time there, but um, I definitely think that under the leadership of Justice, well, at Chief Justice Walker at the time and now Chief Justice Armstead, they've really uh, put into place measures that you would think that the court would already have. I think that 
uh, Chief Justice Walker put in a policy and personnel procedure um, manual, which is, you know, what most businesses, uh, small businesses even have that. And um, Chief Justice Armstead also uh, put together a purchasing policy. And I think that, that would probably incorporate the payment of the senior status uh, judges too. So uh, they can definitely um, bring that back into um, a, a good system to where the courts is uh, is accountable to the citizens as well as accountable to the legislative auditors. I know that the court in the past couple years has cut its but cut its budget significantly and actually given money back to the state, which is kind of unheard of of a state agency. <laughs> but they're definitely working to repair that integrity that uh, they may have lost a few years ago. Yeah, that's good. So you mentioned yeah. the, um, you were prosecuting uh, child sexual abuse cases. Are there a lot of cases like that? Talk a little about that in West Virginia and what can be done about that like in the short and long run? Well, um, there are, and you know, I had a discussion with my mother one time where um, she said, it seems like there are more of those types of cases these days than, than when, when she was growing up. And I said, mom, I don't think there are. I just think that more people are, are telling now. And obviously with the, um, with the internet, that also increases the uh, level of predators reach to uh, children. So that that may have increased it a little bit, but um, you know, just the that's such a family secret that uh, people have kept um, in their families for so long. And again, victims are so reluctant to come forward because number one. They are uh, scared that they won't be believed. They're scared that they'll be, you know, just run through the mill as far as being called a liar and, the, and everything that they've ever done um, being out in the open for everyone to see. But also, um, they, uh, they're fam sometimes they're, they don't have family support. A, a, a lot of my cases, the family sides with the abuser, and it sounds insane, but it's very, it's very hard. So when a victim comes forward to report some kind of abuse, their whole life is upended. Um, they can be taken out of the home. They could be placed hopefully with family, but maybe in foster care with people they don't know. And so it's an incredible thing for them to come forward and to tell their story. And so a lot of times you will see they, they're brave enough to tell somebody, but they'll immediately recant because things are just going so haywire in their, in their lives. Those cases are hard to prove, but not if you dig. Um, a lot of times um, it's, it's you'll, you'll not have any physical signs of physical abuse because the abuse goes on for such a long time that the children have had time to heal or uh, they're just not going to show signs anymore. Uh, so you have to, to dig deep into their background and see how it's affected them and uh, who they've told and, and how consistent they've been with their disclosures. So uh, there's, these cases are intensive, intensive. It's not like, 
a case where somebody goes in and uses a stolen credit card and it's on video and I can take that to trial and play the video to the jury and say, there, I rest my case. I mean, there are lots of witnesses, medical, um, there are lots of counselors, um, trained forensic examiners, things of that nature. But those, those cases, I'm willing to go the distance because I think there's, it's so important for these kids to get justice. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Up, yeah. Uh, on a more long-term thing, I often felt like we, we have a nonprofit, Urban Life Training, deals with helping you to stay absent from sex for marriage, doing educational programs and encourage that. I've often thought that mm -hmm. in the long run, like generationally, that will help a lot, you know, to avoid these kind of things, you know, if, um, yeah, we can have a, a stronger family structure. Sure, very much so. Yeah. Um, what about, I wanted to ask you, like, so I didn't, this is something I've uh, been working on with other people, is the um, issue of in West Virginia, I'm wondering, we have this system where, you know, no vaccinations, no school. And I'm wondering, you know, you know, do you think that violates people's First or Fourth Amendment rights? Like, I mean, it seems most states have some kind of exemptions and like that. What do you think? Well, unfortunately, um, I have um, to abide by the judicial ethics rules and a lot of the, well, not unfortunately, fortunately, <laughs> but um, as a candidate for a judicial um, spot, we are also under the judicial ethics rules, which indicates that we cannot give opinions on any type of case that could come before the court. Um, so even though I, I do think that, um, you know, that would be an interesting topic for me to talk about. I'm sorry, but I, I don't want to dodge the question. I just okay. want to stay within the judicial ethics. So I apologize yeah. for not okay. giving a Well, I was, I was, yeah, I mean, I can understand that. Can I okay. speak, uh, speak about Thank that? Um, hmm. I, yeah, I'm wondering, yeah, that's an interesting question. And I don't know if this question follows exactly, but, you know, feel free to tell me it with the same kind of problem. But I'm wondering, you know, with the current um, issues with all the lockdowns and stay at home, it seems to really violate people's constitutional rights. I mean, wow. You know, I'm, I know there's um, presumably some legislative health emergency authorities, but I don't know. I mean, it seems like, do you think these kind of cases, not just here, but throughout the nation, you know, it seems like they may come up to the courts. I mean, is that something you would expect? Absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, because the Supreme Court has also put in an emergency order um, for about the last four to six weeks. I can't remember exactly when that went in. But, you know, for safety purposes, um, the, the courthouses um, have been open but um, we've only been taking the most emergent cases and we've only been doing those by video conferencing, um, you know, just trying to preserve everyone's safety. So I think that we are going to see a giant backlog of cases coming back whenever the, the courts open back up. And, um, and so we're going to have to do our best to budget our time, budget our resources on that because 
you know, it, each person's case is important to him or her. And um, justice delayed is justice denied for these people. So we're going to have to get really creative about making sure that everyone has their quote unquote day in court, um, whether it be through a teleconferencing, whether they appear in court by phone, um, something like that, because uh, there are constitutional protections, at least in criminal cases, where a defendant must be present during all critical proceedings. So we need to make sure that that is preserved in this new age of justice. Um, and, uh, but as far as, um, you know, are we violating rights? We're doing our best not to. We're doing our best to um, preserve the safety of people, but to also um, preserve the sanctity of their constitutional rights. Does the court have a, so you seem to imply or tell me, does it have a, um, a date or dates in mind when the court will resume or is it, is, can, is it resumed now or can things legally or actually be done by video or you have to wait till the court can resume in person or what's happening explain to me please yeah no we've been um conducting skype hearings um uh the judge where the judge myself the prosecutor the defense attorney and even the um at, at least the inmates that are in jail have been um reporting by skype uh, i think the supreme court um, or some agency has provided the uh, regional jail system with computers to where they can Skype into court. And that's actually been um, handled beautifully during this time. Um, everyone, you know, everyone's been appearing, everyone can hear and uh, see. And so we've been, we've been handling our, our business that way. Um, I believe that our building will be opening back up on um, Monday, May 18th, and we will uh, be using masks and social distancing and uh, those types of precautionary measures so we can uh, get through this. But again, the, the courts have stayed open during this process. We've prioritized cases. Obviously, the people who are incarcerated because their liberty is restrained, we've given great priority to those cases. We've had a lot of bond hearings um, because a, a lot of the defense attorneys are worried that there are um, issues with the virus within the regional jail system. However, I will say that there have been no, I don't know if you can hear my phone ringing, but I apologize for that. Um, there have been no, um, there have been no cases in, uh, reported in any regional jail or penitentiary okay. um, in the state. So, um, but the fear is there. Uh, all the inmates are appearing with masks as well as the corrections officers. So um, it is important to know that, you know, we, we have not abandoned um, our judicial system. It's just operating in a different way right now. Well, so for actual trials, is it like, so are those happening now in person for, on a limited basis? They are not, not yet. And, um, and so that's and so the backlog you're talking about. That's going to be an issue because obviously um, criminal trials, there is a, a right to jury trial. And so, um, you know, will jurors be able to, um, you know, be coming in 
and, and social distancing? Will they be able to use masks? Will there be sanitary issues? These are all things that we need yeah. to address, but um, we, we have uh, a grand jury term coming up soon in Putnam County. Now we have a big enough room where I believe that we could probably do some social distancing and be okay. Yeah. But yeah. Um, those are all things that we're gonna have to discuss mm -hmm. and, and really uh, get to the heart of because those are constitutional rights that must be observed. Well, I agree. And I'm quite, a, if you <laughs> check my blog and podcast, you'll see I'm quite opinionated in that one. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, but to stick more with the interview today, but those are uh, crucial issues. And sure. I think a, a lot of things are, have been overblown or, or don't make sense. Um, I think a yeah, lot of people are as concerned about their safety as they are uh, concerned about this economy. I mean, I think people are just as scared to see this economy fail as they are of the virus. So it is, un, you know, every commercial on TV tells you these are unprecedented times and they could not be more correct. Right, that's true. Well, did like I know you have three opponents uh, in the uh, division two. Like uh, sometimes I wonder, I assume, I mean, I haven't looked in detail, but that all the opponents are pretty qualified, I guess. Or did you want to share, maybe, you did tell us your background. Is there anything you wanted to contrast with the others who are running in your district? Like, well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, for us in the public, how do we, like, differentiate? Sometimes it seems, I've been to forums for judges, other forums, like, locally for judges, and they all seem to me very qualified. So, like, what makes you stand out? You know what I mean? What would you like to share about that? So it's real easy um, to remember for me is I'm the sole conservative in this race. I've been endorsed by the West Virginia State Republican Party. I've also been endorsed um, by West Virginians for Life, which is the Right to Life group. And I've also been endorsed by the Associated Builders and Contractors. Um, so endorsements are still coming in. Uh, those are the three that I can tell you right now. But the other three um, in this case, and, and you know uh, that the judges' races are nonpartisan. However, yeah. that doesn't mean that we check our politics at the door. Um, you, I will, um, on my campaign materials, on my website, um, if, if I can share my website, it's reignsforjustice.com. Yeah. Um, you will see that I was 2017's uh, Putnam County Republican Woman of the Year. Um, this year, I was honored to receive the James H. Carruthers Outstanding Republican um, Award for Putnam County. So um, that's my background, obviously. And um, I, I can share that with you and I can share my endorsements. Um, I will indicate to you that um, a lot of my opponents have been, uh, especially one in general, have been um, given lots of money by trial lawyers associations. Um, so uh, that person, she is a very nice person. She is a sitting judge. But if you want um, someone who's handpicked by the trial lawyers to sit on the court, and those trial lawyers, who knows, may expect something in return if she were to make it onto the Supreme Court, then you should pick her. But if you want somebody with conservative uh, constitutional values uh, and uh, I'm endorsed by those um, people that hold those values, then you should choose me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know you're talking about um, just, I guess, 
It's Joanna Tabbitt. Yeah, she declined to be on our show, so. Okay, well. <laughs> That's up to her, but whatever. <laughs> she's a very nice person, but, oh, um, you know, she, she does have um, uh, liberal leanings, as do um, uh, Mr. Wooten, who uh, has, who was a Democratic legislator for several years, and um, Judge Douglas, who is a family court judge, he ha has Democratic leanings as well. So again, um, it, it's easy to separate myself from the herd in that race. I'm the conservative one. <laughs> okay. And I'm proud um, of it. Yeah, no, that that's good. Yeah, I noticed on your site that you said, you know, you're more about not, that term comes up a lot, legislating from the bench, but you're more about constitutionally based is right. that right absolutely um my judicial hero is is antonin scalia and um you know his he was a constitutional originist originalist a constitutional constructionist which means he believes in the plain meaning of the statute or the constitution and the intent of the framers or the legislatures so i believe that my role as a justice would be to interpret the law, not to create the law. That's not my role. That's not the, the intent of the framers. Um, the only people that should be passing new law is the legislature. My role is to call them down the middle like a referee to say constitutional or unconstitutional. And um, that's the way the framers designed it. I think that our democracy is the best in the world. And it's because of that three branch separation of powers and checks and balances system that our forefathers set up. Okay. Well, would you like to um, share anything like in conclusion for the viewers uh, about your, um, you know, candidacy or just anything you'd like to share to um, wrap things up? Please go right ahead. Okay, I, I really appreciate your uh, time and your effort to put this together. Um, I would, there are so many things that I'd like to share that, uh, that I just can't get in and in, in interviews that I'm doing short interviews. So I'd like to welcome people to check out my website, which is reignsforjustice.com. My Facebook page is Chris Reigns for WV Supreme Court. Um, it's right here behind me here. <laughs> okay. And um, I have also have Twitter and Instagram, the at symbol reigns, the number four and justice. So please check me out on my social media, on my website, things are being updated all the time. And um, if anyone has any questions, I have um, an email set up and a phone number set up on my website. So uh, please reach out. I appreciate all chances to talk to people right now because I'm not getting to talk to anybody right now. So that's why I appreciate these types of forums to get the word out because otherwise I'd be going from county to county knocking on doors, talking to people in person. And unfortunately, that's just not possible right now. Okay, well, thank you uh, very much for being on, on the show. We look um, forward to voting on June 9th. And um, thanks for giving us information about, you know, your website and everything and for your uh, time today. Thank you so, so much for all your efforts. I appreciate that, Mr. Urban. Okay, so I'm gonna. So I'm your host, Rich Urban, uh, reporting to you from Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. Thank you for joining us for 
this interview today and we will see you next time.